Welcome to Peabody's. I'm your host, Elizabeth Wynn Marshall, and I'm glad you're here. At Peabody's podcast, Pursue the Art of Noticing, we believe that paying attention, being present, and noticing the world around us are all fine arts, fine arts that enhance our daily lives. We long to linger, gaze, hold a moment for longer than a moment, and we long to discover that which is there for the discovering, the mystery, the marvelous, the noteworthy, the mundane. Beauty is here in abundance, available to me as a gift for my soul and available to you as a balm, a sensory delight, all offerings from Creator God, Artist God. What a privilege to be called to witness the wonder. What a privilege to be invited to be co-creators with Him. At Peabody's, we like to listen to the stories from the passionate creatives who are diving into the work of their heart. Join us every Wednesday for new episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and visit elizabethwmarshall.com to sign up to receive Peabody's Notebook, a weekly subscriber letter which contains goodies you won't want to miss. Each episode's show notes are contained in Peabody's podcast, which arrives in subscribers' email on the same day as the podcast. Welcome to Peabody's. I'm your host, Elizabeth Wynn Marshall, and I'm glad you're here. Christy Purifoy earned a Ph.D. in English Literature at the University of Chicago before trading the classroom for an old farmhouse, a garden, and a writing desk. She is the author of Roots and Sky, A Journey Home in Four Seasons, and lives with her husband and four children at Maplehurst, a Victorian farmhouse in southeastern Pennsylvania. Her lyrical reflections can be found at ChristyPurifoy.com. Christy Purifoy invites readers into the holy life of placemaking. Placemaker encourages the cultivation of good and beautiful places and invites readers to reflect the image of God. In a world of constant chaos and conflict, homes are often the only places of peace where souls find rest. Within each individual is an instinctive yearning for a place of refuge, for beauty, for comfort and the art of creating such a space is called placemaking. In her new book, Placemaker, Cultivating Places of Comfort, Beauty, and Peace, author Christy Purifoy shows readers what it means to be a gardener, tending, keeping, and caring for God's creation while on this earth and invites them into the holy life of a placemaker. Nature is singing a song, the trees are clapping their hands, and we are called to join them, writes Purifoy. With God's help, we can pick up the pieces of an old and dying world, and we can make them new. We can make a place where beauty and peace can take root, flourish, and grow. And now join me for a conversation with author, placemaker, and a friend with whom I share the love of old homes and a love of restoring and renovating a place to call home for family and friends. Join me for a conversation with Christy Purifoy. Christy, welcome. Thank you. It is so good to be here. I can almost imagine myself 
on your porch. It's probably beautiful weather down there. Am I right? <laughs> it is at 72 degrees here. And um, I love that I'm um, here in my home at Merci and that you're there at Maplehurst. And um, I think you already know this, but I do need to tell you that I am coming to see you one day. <laughs> You better. <laughs> I'm counting on it, Elizabeth. I am absolutely counting on it. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. And this is the year I turned 60 and I may have it on my 60 year, my 60th year of life bucket list. We'll see. It's one of my, um, it's on my short list of things to do. So, but for today, I thought, well, let's just pretend we are on my porch and we're rocking. I can feel it. I can, I can feel, I can hear some birds and I can feel the breeze. It's lovely. <laughs> oh, well, that's what my, my, my hope of my heart is that we'll be doing that. Well, we, I'll see you next month. So we'll be at a retreat together and that'll be lovely too. But, um, so today I'll just pretend that I, I'm looking, um, looking you in the eyes, which is one of my favorite things to do with people. I'm looking you in the eyes and while I'm asking you these questions and um, just so listeners know, um, I guess there's so many things I love about podcasting, but one thing I love is having the gift of an of this book released early um, to podcasters and others. So I have the joy of having a copy of Placemaker in my hand right now. Oh, it was such a honor to be able to share it with you. And it's a thrill for me to be able to hear from a few readers early and know that the book um, is hitting the mark, I guess. That's, you know, the writing process is long and it's a little lonely. And as much as I enjoy it, there is always that uncertainty of, you know, have, have I captured it? Have I done it? And I think especially um, knowing you and knowing your heart for places and um, how well you cultivate beauty in your own home, knowing that you're enjoying the book, that you're uh, finding worth in it is very encouraging for me. Well, one of the things about um, your storytelling and about the way the book is put together is um, it deals um, specifically with place. It deals with your time in Florida and Texas and Chicago and um, then at Maplehurst. And those are all specific places. But Christy, I have to say it has such a beautiful message for everyone. Um, you really do speak to so many universal truths that just... Um, grow out of that so while it is a book about um place it's a book about a lot more than just maplehurst which is where you are now so um i love where you take us where you start where we go and um i cannot wait for people to hold this book in their hands and um to sit with it it to me is a book that requires um savoring and I, for me, it's been a slow read by choice. I've loved sitting with it. Um, I'll read a couple of lines and I'll digest them and then I'll reread them and then um, I'll see, I'll reflect. And so I can't wait for people to have the opportunity to sit with this book and to read it. And I've already reread some of the, the sections a second time. It's that beautiful. So um, oh, thank you. I, you know, I. I think deep down, I always wish that I could have been a poet. <laughs> I love poetry and I love the density of beauty and meaning that you find in poetry, but I'm not an actual poet. I just not quite there, but I do hope that the book, um, even though it's, it's nonfiction, it's memoir, it's personal essay. I hope that it has that, um, 
something of that poetic, <laughs> uh, you know, quality that does invite you to slow down and savor and perhaps memorize a line or two or write them out on a card, that sort of thing. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, uh, well, let's, um, I have so much I want to ask you. So, um, Rocky, Rocky on the porch, um, in, in my, in my imagination down and not rush but you have um a house full of children and a day ahead of you and your release is coming up so um i'm going to go ahead and get started so that you can um so that you can go about your day after you've spent this wonderful time with me and again i'm really grateful um so let's let's start here um what does that word mean and and who do you believe are placemakers um the title is placemaker Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit to that, Christy? I can. You know, it, it started for me because I just felt this need for a word that would capture all these little bits and pieces of my life. And I, I felt that the word homemaker just quite spacious enough. It's a good word. It's a fine word. But we tend to use the word homemaker or homemaking for, um, you know, a few specific things. For instance, we tend to picture homemakers as, as only women, maybe as women who work from home or don't have a job outside the home. Of course, there's that focus on home, but I'm also a gardener and I love um, tending the soil and tending my garden. So, um, and then even in my writing, I'm, I'm fascinated by places and landscapes and I love to write about um, the beauty of various landscapes and so, trying to tie together my love for baking bread in the kitchen, being out in the garden, writing, even the kinds of books I read. Um, I just needed a bigger word. And so somehow I came up with this um, word placemaker. And the more I used it, the more I sort of, um, you know, like tunneled down into it, I realized just how spacious it was. I think placemakers are Um, really anyone who is willing to just sink their roots deep down into a place Mm. even if they know I won't live here forever maybe I know I'm moving on in six months or maybe I suspect you know once I have a job change I'll, I'll be called somewhere else but for the time that I'm given in this place I will love this place and I will tend to this place and I will share this place with other people and I think mm. I think that's work for all of us I think that's work for men and women I think that's work for um, gardeners and non-gardeners I think that's work for um, introverts and extroverts people who love being at home and people who love to travel I think it's work that um, is for all of us and I think that because I think it is um, work that calls on um, our kind of our whole selves as image bearers because I really believe that God was the first placemaker he made a place for us he made particular places like the garden uh, like the promised land he he loves places in particular ways and uh, I think we share that quality with our maker so placemaking is for everyone <laughs> it is it's a nice big word it feels like it has room for lots of nuance um, and just as you were speaking I start I was my, letting my mind walk of course um, when we're a reader 
and a writer and a maker of place ourselves, we think, well, how does this apply to me? Um, what is my place in this, you know, definition? And I started thinking about my latest project that you, I don't think a lot of people know about, but we are renovating an old houseboat. Mm -hmm. And so such a joy to make a place that will be um, a home for a little home for us on the water. And so in my mind's eye, I was going on um, the name of the boat is the Barcelona. It came with that name. So it does, it can be, you know, I live on the coast. And so for me, um, it, it, it applies to this place um, here, Merci on the land, but then we're going to have a little place where we'll just go and disappear and spend time on the water. And I'm thinking of the connotations for making a place there. So, oh my goodness, that's a gorgeous image of a little cared for tended place that moving mm -hmm. across the waters. I love that so much. I think the, the potential, uh, you know, for people to think about all the different kinds of places is huge. I mean, there are maybe, you know, I have my own garden now, but once upon a time I garden communally in a city community garden. I think maybe there are people who are called to tend the place of their church building or their the, the neighborhood school. I mean, this word is, it's wonderful, I think, because it is, it's so big and so spacious, but it, it says something. It's not so big that it's vague and useless. Um, I, yeah, I love this word. <laughs> I love it too. And I love, I love, um, the way you share that those definitions with us so thank you um so christy in the book you examine the beauty of god's creation and the role it plays in our stories and our role in tending to it so can you tell us a bit about your journey and at what point you began to intentionally live with placemaking in mind and, and you spoke a little bit to that but can you um expound on that a little bit more mm -hmm. you know it's interesting as i started writing down these stories and um, thinking about kind of trying to trace the origins of, of you know, what um, inspires me. It took me all the way back to childhood. And so I ended up writing a bit about my father and my father's garden. And the interesting thing is that, so my father, um, he, he was and is a, um, a, a Christian man who has worked in ministry. And I think as a child, I I sort of thought, well, there's the the real work and the the real important things he he does. Maybe he teaches or he travels, um, he meets with people. But of course, all along, my father was also creating gardens. He was growing roses. He was planting fruit trees. He was, goodness, he was, um, you know, building a backyard deck. He was wallpapering the front hall. <laughs> and I was seeing all of that and just the ways that he cared for our home and for our garden. And I think that all of that just sunk down deep. And so I grew up and I, I really couldn't imagine living without the kind of beauty that my father had always created. But of course now I was grown and on my own and I had to learn how to do it for myself. But one thing I've, I've realized is that that work that he was doing was not just a hobby. It wasn't just, oh, well, this is how he prefers to spend his spare time, but it's not as important as his day job, you know, or his Christian ministry or those things. And, um, but it took me a long time to learn that this kind of work, this tending, this cultivating of beauty and of uh, places that we can share with other people. You know, my parents were always having uh, people over and sharing their home, even having people live with us at times. Um, but that, that work he was doing and that my parents were doing together was, was possibly the most valuable work they were doing and it's certainly the work that has had a huge impact on my own life and on how 
my husband and I have chosen to live and how we practice hospitality. So um, it was such a, it was an honor really to dedicate this book to my dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. And um, I know you share in your storytelling, you share um, stories about you and your husband um, partnering through this placemaking. And I love that because my husband and I share that too. We do um, undertake projects together. Um, and it's, it's, I feel like this book will be a wonderful read for men as well. Um, and I'm thinking about my own father. I knew you had dedicated the book to your father. And I, I thought that was so special and it really, um, it really touched me. And then I think about my own father who's now widowed. And as you were speaking, I thought of the examples that he has set in my life um, for that um, and how he's making a home on his own without my mother. And so, yes, I think of placemakers as being both men and women. and. Um, I'm glad that you just referenced all those beautiful stories about your father. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely for men and women. And um, yeah, I love hearing that about your dad as well. I think um, it's a lifelong journey. You know, it looks differently perhaps when we're younger, we have young kids. It looks differently for your father now, but it is a life. It is a lifelong calling. It, it really is. And he, my, my father has done such a beautiful job of opening his home up and making home and making changes and taking care of things. And it does, it speaks to me as an adult child to watch how he's caring for um, a home. I, I believe I've shared this with you at another, um, during an earlier conversation we've had in our friendship that his home was built in 1904 or eight, 1904, I believe. And it was his grandfather. So he has that, um, that feeling of caring for something that has um, been handed down through his family and there's all the responsibility and love that comes with that and so that's some of I think what you probably feel at Maplehurst of that stewardship of place yes. um, and caring for something that has a history that's so much bigger and broader um, than than us and so yeah oh, that's right. um, I think it's a matter you're exactly right of stewardship and it's a matter of legacy. And some of us will care for places, like it sounds like your father has that privilege of caring for a home handed down to him, that's so special. But of course that's unique in our culture. And I, I admit, I have dreams of one of my own kids or maybe a niece or a nephew taking care of Maplehurst one day. Um, but it's also a legacy that's handed down just in you know the, the lives we share. So, you know, I'm not, you know, my father didn't hand his garden or his hand, his house off to me, but his placemaking um, was and is a legacy that that I'm receiving. So, um, yeah, I can look quite uh, literal in the house itself, but also I think we we all have that kind of legacy that we can leave to others. Well, uh, we we do, and we don't know how long we have a place. You reference multiple times in the book, and I love that that sense of well. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, the theme of permanence is there, but also of temperance of how we don't know how long we'll be in a place. And um, I think of all the moves in my life and how many times that my husband and I have uh, renovated and built, I think we built once, but renovated mostly and taking taken on projects of home and um, and then that that moving on and, and allowing it allowing someone else to have time there it's um can be quite a, a sacred passing of a home from one to another but 
but um, yeah, we don't know how long we have. So while we're here, <laughs> but um, the book is filled with so many stories, Christy, um, and ups and downs in, in your journey. Uh, would you share one with us about a time where God spoke to you through the beauty of his, his creation? Um, it's a major theme in the book and it's beautiful. So I'm going to just leave that for you to go with where you'd like. Sure. Well, you know that um, the book uh, really centers around um, stories of trees. So trees have um, always been special to me. I've always enjoyed sitting in the dappled shade <laughs> beneath a beautiful tree. And um, So I, I think specifically, you know, a gift that it was only, it took me time to really recognize and receive, but I spent 10 years living in the city. I lived in Chicago on the South side. They were wonderful years, um, such good years, but um, it was only slowly that I realized that I think a big reason why the city became such a welcoming space to me and why those years were years in which I felt, um, uh, you know, that I was really um, learning more about God and, and growing closer to Him. Um, it was because of the trees growing in the city. I was really privileged, privileged and blessed to live in a neighborhood called Hyde Park um, that was full of trees, just full of green space and parks. It had actually been designed by, um, oh, was it uh, Frederick Law Olmsted, I think is the name. He designed Central Park and he was brought in in the 1800s to design park and parks and green space for, for that neighborhood. And, and so that was a legacy, right? It was a legacy of, you know, a hundred years previously, but then there I was a young woman um, going to graduate school, having babies and young kids and living in the city. And, you know, cities are, gosh, they're beautiful spaces. God loves cities, but they have their challenges. You know, they're crowded and sometimes dirty and um, they aren't always easy places to live. Um, of course, every place has its challenges, but, you know, there's challenges that are specific to the city. And yet um, the trees in our neighborhood were, they just, they were just a respite for me. They were beauty that was always available, their shade. Um, I can still picture the view outside of our city apartments. One of, one of our apartments was on the sixth floor and, and trees were all around. And so we called that one the treehouse apartment. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good space, but yeah. So when I think of, um, you know, beauty that has just, you know, blessed me in very particular ways. I think of the trees in Hyde Park and especially the, the honey locust trees. If anyone knows those trees, they are feathery and they have these delicate little feathery leaves and in the fall they turn golden yellow. So just imagine streets lined in these golden feathery trees. Um, it just it just made it a special, special place. And I think that's why um, I remember those years so fondly. Mm, you're 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 making me hungry to go read a tree grows in Brooklyn again to go back okay. and dig back into. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, and you know that's interesting you say that because I do I, I feel like we have um, a deeper appreciation when nature isn't as dense and available and so there you were in a city and so when you had what you had in terms of God's physical creation with. Um, with the trees, it allowed you to have a connectedness mm -hmm. with his creation, even though it wasn't maybe prevalent. Mm -hmm. um, I've lived in a city before. I've lived in New York for five years. And you do, you seek those places that um, provide physical, um, natural beauty yeah. as, uh, as, to, as an anecdote to city life. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, well, tell, can you tell us another um, part of your journey that people may not know about or that you find particularly, um, um, I don't know, that's sort of a hallmark of you, of your story, of that sort of anchors the book? Can you think of one part of your journey that you would think people are going to be particularly drawn to? Yeah. Um, I want to people's appetite for it. And I want everyone to have the book, copy of the book and then to buy it for as a gift. And I'll be doing the same thing because not only is the storytelling beautiful, but um, I just love the way you make a sentence. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's, I think one thing I, I, I do want people to know is that the book is full of stories of failure, honestly. It is not... Uh, not a story of moving from triumph to triumph. It is also not a story of um, the sort of uh, typical American dream, trading up for bigger and better, you know, leaving up. You know, it's not a story about start. Let me just, let me just say that. Um, I don't, I don't think I believe in starter homes. I don't like that concept at all. Um, so it isn't that. And, and I have had a couple friends who've read the book who don't see themselves as maybe naturally um, placemakers. They would say, oh, I don't have a green thumb. I don't know how to do anything DIY. And um, a couple of them in particular have told me that their favorite parts were when I admitted our big screw ups. And um, one of them was our, you know, we, uh, one of our first projects, John and I together, we tried to build this patio in this little townhouse we were renting in Virginia. And, uh, Oh, we, we, we just messed it up. We, uh, we just kept our eyes so focused on the details that we never stepped back to look at the bigger picture. And we built the whole, we built the whole thing crooked. I mean, and, and so it was good for my friend who, who knows my husband and knows him as this like, you know, sort of great DIY guy who can build anything. It was good for her to realize that we, we have learned a lot and we have learned through mistakes and we have learned through failures. And really, I think what, you know, one of the bigger stories that the book is telling is it, especially as it talks about our, um, our experience here at Maplehurst, which is this very old farmhouse in Pennsylvania um, that we have slowly been restoring. And, and that story in particular is a story about being completely overwhelmed and discovering that we could not do this work on our own, that it was beyond us, that it was more than we ever anticipated. And then seeing God provide in the form of helpers and community and realizing that, you know, placemaking isn't meant to be totally this solitary, independent work. I mean, it is work that sometimes we, we do on our own, but um, I think at its best, placemaking is communal. And that's something that I've, I've really only come to understand here at Maplehurst when Frankly, we, we arrived at the end of ourselves and we, we couldn't do it anymore. And, and I even thought, um, and maybe later in the podcast, I'll read this little portion of the book, but I, I really thought for a while that maybe we had made a huge mistake and should never have <laughs> bought this old farmhouse. Um, so I hope that those stories of, of mistakes and failures um, will actually encourage people and will help them to, um, you know, have the courage to just try and attempt things, knowing that it it doesn't have to all be up to them and they are, um, they're welcome to try their hand at things. I, th I think, I think 
creation and, and the, the natural world and places are, are inviting us to participate. I think we're all invited to participate, but I know that some of us are scared to do that and scared that we'll make mistakes, scared that we'll mess up. And I hope they'll read this book and say, yeah, I'm, I might mess up, but, um, but that's okay. I'm still invited. And I think, I think this book is an invitation too. I, I hope people hearing it an invitation to, um, to try their hand, to plant a seed or pick up a hammer and, and just see what happens. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, the next question was just, you, you've already begun to speak to the, this next question. So, um, but I'm going to give you a minute to take it a little further. Cause I think it's, it's really, it's really a beautiful question. I didn't write it by the <laughs> way, <laughs> just credit where credit is due, but and, uh, your beautiful publisher actually wrote this question. So, um, why did you write placemaker? I think you've really spoken to that, but you can speak more to it if you'd like, but what is your hope for those who read it? I love that question. What is your hope for those who read it? Because I know you as a writer and I know, um, I'm certain that as you wrote this book, you thought of your reader. <laughs> I just yeah, know you. <laughs> that's so true. I, I really did. And, and from the beginning, because um, I'll, I'll tell you here, here's a little behind the scenes on the writing of Placemaker. But when I first had the idea and I sat down to write some sample chapters, I, I started with a more typical memoir format. I just started relating my own personal stories. And very quickly, I realized this is no good. This is boring. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to write this book and I don't think anyone would enjoy reading it. And so then I stepped back from the whole project because I, I no longer you know, felt confident that I could write a book people uh, might actually want to read. But during that time of, of stepping back and reflecting on it, I realized that um, I wasn't so interested in telling stories of my own life. I mean, my life is quite ordinary. It's, not, it's nothing that special. But what I was interested in doing was helping others to, or allowing others to see the world through my own eyes for a little while. Because I just, I look at the beauty that I've been privileged to, to see, the beauty of the trees, um, stories I know about the trees. And I just thought if I could help uh, my readers have eyes just a little bit more open to the beauty that is that is already there that's already you know made available to us if I could maybe tell stories about the trees that would um, cause them to look at the the world around them just a little bit differently and with eyes that have been opened I thought you know scripture tells us that the trees are out there praising God and clapping their hands and I thought maybe if I just listen and if I hear that song and if I can write it down maybe others will hear it too and so then that's really where I, I had the idea to kind of weave or braid together my own stories of placemaking the highs and the lows in all the places I've lived but with all these other stories of trees and uh, roses and of other placemakers especially people who lived um, in my own community who um, you know, this place where I live was, was shaped by Pennsylvania Quakers who were peace-loving and garden-loving people. And their legacy is one that I am still being blessed by today. So I wanted to tell their stories as well. So really that's my hope for the reader is that they get to um, just see the world through my own eyes for a little while. And that I hope that that 
inspires them and that they have sort of fresh eyes to see their own place. The, the last thing I would want is for someone to read this book and then see their, their home or their place or their town with um, frustration or a lack of contentment or a sense that it's not special enough or good enough. I hope in writing about all these places that people will have new eyes to see their own home and to see what makes it special and maybe to see how they can participate and what they can cultivate where they are. So that's a lot, I know, but. <laughs> no, I love, I love, I loved that. I love that um, answer. I love where you're taking us with that and in the book. And I do, I, I having spent a, a good amount of time in the pages of Placemaker, I feel like it's an invitation. And so when we are invited, we come with what we have and, um, and we show up but you uh, you invite us to see things um, through a different lens. And so, um, yeah, so whether we're on a houseboat or in a teeny tiny studio apartment or whether we're in a city or in the country, it's an invitation. And I can't wait to see how people answer it. And I can't wait to see how people respond because um, you take us to beautiful places. Um, you take us away from where we are. And yet at the same time, to me, there's this duality. We also stop and look at our own homes in, in, with, in a fresh way. So it's both and we're able to live a little while in the places you've lived through the storytelling, through memoir. And yet we then turn and look at our home and say, and then I have this and, and what do I do with this? And how do I open my home? How do I make this space more peaceful? How do I make this space more beautiful? How do I extend hospitality? There's so many questions that, that come from um, each chapter. Um, I, I, it's a beautiful invitation mm -hmm. and thank you for telling us a little bit of the um, behind the scenes that was lovely mm -hmm. um, and so would you be willing to read us a little portion oh I would, I would. yes and maybe because I, I mentioned just some of the um, the questions we asked about this this house called Maplehurst and some of the doubts I had maybe I'll read just um, a couple um, two or three paragraphs that open up chapter two and chapter two is called pine tree choosing to want um, and each uh, chapter in the book is named after a, a tree variety or a, a forest a particular forest so chapter two is pine tree so yeah if you're if you're ready Elizabeth I'll just uh, jump right in please do okay this morning, I stumbled over a dead rhododendron in the backyard. It was spectacularly dead. There was no need to look closely. No reason to snap a branch and look for that living wick of green in its middle. For some reason, I have always associated the name rhododendron with the age of dinosaurs, and this one was as dusty brown and shriveled as an ancient museum specimen. When I planted the little thing, it was covered in pale lemony blossoms. But knowing that rhododendrons have very particular tastes in sunlight and soil, I guarded my heart against loving it. I told Jonathan, this is an experiment. It will probably fail. Yet I secretly dreamed of watching flowers like spring sunshine dance in the shadows beneath the dense evergreen needles of a pair of Norway spruce. Jonathan's smile was confident and admiring. I gave thanks that I had not married a gardener. A hard worker, yes, but not a gardener. 
I did not tell him what I suspect he had never noticed. This was not the only rhododendron I had attempted in our yard. If this new plant died, it would not be the first. Now that the little yellow rhododendron is finished, I'm afraid my vision for this dark corner of the yard has also withered. I could try the white softball flowers of Annabelle hydrangeas, but now I worry that the soil down here is too compacted and dried out by tree roots to grow anything but wispy weeds. Dead plants are a fact of gardening life, but lately my sense of failure has only grown like a spreading stain. The rhododendron was a mistake. Somehow admitting that to myself draws me nearer to another admission, one I do not want to make, one I can hardly bear to consider. When I stand over the rhododendron, the house is at my back, and here is the true nexus of my grief, though I must turn away from the warm red bricks before I can bring myself to think it. This house may be the real mistake. Maplehurst is falling apart, and we do not know what to do. An agent from our insurance company came by last week for his biannual inspection. Apparently, this is something insurance companies do with older homes. Insurers know a truth about old houses that Jonathan and I are only beginning to grasp. Look away for an instant, and they age 20 years. Limestone mortar crumbles, handmade bricks crack, porches rot. Yesterday, the agent's report arrived by mail. It was sternly worded. If homeowners fail to maintain their woodwork, rot and decay can set in immediately. You have one year to make repairs or your policy may be terminated. We love this old house and we are failing it. <laughs> Oh, Christy. Oh, that was just pure joy. Gift. Oh, you're welcome. What a gift. Thank you, my friend. Oh, I do hope you're reading your, you're the reader of your, your book, the audio oh, version. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you like to hear me read. I love reading aloud. <laughs> I do. I do. I was mesmerized. Um, thank you for that. And, um, Okay, well, I, I would like for you to take a minute to um, tell us where we can find you, other places, um, your website and social media, and, um, and then how listeners can purchase a copy of Placemaker and sure. where they can connect with you. Sure. Well, one of the, the places I most love to connect with people, and I think it could be the most fun if you're you're interested in seeing sort of what happens next and what does Maplehurst look like now, and that's on Instagram, where I'm easy to find it, at Christy Purifoy. Christy is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E, and Purifoy. And um, I think of my Instagram account there as just another way to practice hospitality. It's one more way of taking pictures and sharing them there, of sort of opening the door on this place and our, our place making. So I'd love to, to connect with your listeners there. But they can also find me on my website, christypurifoy.com. And I'm a new podcaster myself, too. So I, um, in the fall, began a podcast with a dear old friend of mine, Lisa Jo Baker. And so every Wednesday, we share new conversations um, at the Out of the Ordinary podcast. So that's another good place to find me. And Placemaker, the book, it's available for pre-order. And I would love, love, love to have pre-orders. It's a great way to um, 
support authors and it's like giving a gift to your future self isn't it so uh, the, the book can be pre-ordered on Amazon or other online retailers of course you can go to your local bookseller and, and request it from them or request it at your library but um, it will be uh, in bookstores and, and you, in your hands on March 12th I'm so excited. I can't wait. And I have made a little change in my own um, letter that I send to subscribers. And um, I send it out on the day that the podcast comes out. And so folks will have a chance to go to the section there in my own letter and see the show notes. So I will link um, to your um, to Placemaker on Amazon. And I will also reference your um where people can find you on social media and your website. So all that will be written down um, for people to have another chance to find you. Um, they can click, click, click and find you. I love your Instagram account. You know, I'm a fan and I'm so excited about your new podcast from one podcaster to another. You all are doing a great, um, great work there. It's so delightful and it's, it's fun. It's fresh and you do such a good job with that um, once a week. So I hope people will find you there as well. Um, Christy, thank you. This has been fun. I, I want to keep rocking on the porch. <laughs> and in reality, I'm sitting in my brown leather chair um, at my desk inside. <laughs> so I actually, the sun is calling me to come peek at it before it goes low. It's 72. And, but our time on my porch and our imaginations has been fun. Oh, I have loved it too. And I just thank you for the invitation and the uh, internet hospitality. <laughs> There's more than one way to practice hospitality these days, isn't there? Well, thank you again. Um, it's been such a pleasure. I look forward to um, watching this book be birthed into the world and get into readers' hands. And I'll be cheering you on and um, I'll be talking about it more um, other places and my social media. And um, you've just done a beautiful job. And I'm, I'm so excited to see where this book goes and what it does. It will touch readers very deeply it's touched me um and i will look forward to seeing you in person next month and um i'll look forward to having a little conversation with you there i will have finished placemaker and we can discuss it further but thank you again and um i just am grateful you were here today oh, thank you so much okay bye-bye christy Thank you for joining me for today's episode. It is a privilege and an honor to share time with you here. I am here picturing you there, listening wherever it is you are spending this exact part of your day. I hope you find a bit of joy, delight, and discover something or someone new while you are here. And I hope you will consider sharing the podcast with friends. Would you also consider joining me at PBD's Notebook? To sign up, visit me on Instagram at Elizabeth Wynn Marshall and click the bio link or visit my website and click the tab there, PBD's Notebook at ElizabethWMarshall.com. I'm eager to connect with you other places and I'm grateful to have had you here today for episode six of our second season. We want to help others find us too, so share us on social media. We'd love that. Tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. I'm your host, Elizabeth Wynn Marshall, and I'm grateful you are part of the Peabody's podcast community.